Well, good to have you here uh, today. And we are concluding our series, One Million Reasons. And uh, next week, I'm going to be kicking off a whole new series. And this is really our celebration weekend as we end the series and we really uh, begin a 24-month initiative uh, that if you've been here the last number of weeks, you've heard a lot about. Uh, It's really, as we move forward as a church, one of uh, our big moments. As individuals, uh, we all know that we have defining moments in our life, moments uh, that are special. We sometimes have pictures of those. I have some. uh, This is uh, when I graduated from high school. That's what I looked like with hair. And uh, yeah, and then later on, uh, married. That was one right there. That was a good one, too. Uh, yeah, I don't know who that dude is over there, but uh, he was at our wedding. And then, uh, yeah, uh, that's a good one. And then uh, this one was a birth of our first child. Uh, that's me. And uh, somewhere along the way, I lost that extra chin, which was a good thing. And, uh, uh, and then, of course, this is me now. Who said pastoring a church is stressful? I'm 42 and feeling great. Uh, you know, we all have uh, those moments where uh, we, we would mark as uh, definitive along the way. And we have those as individuals, but we also have those uh, in larger society. If you've ever been to a Super Bowl, an inauguration, uh, or a concert, you've experienced one of those every one of us moments where people will all hear a song and they'll uh, sing it together. And I think this is really one of those moments Uh, for us as a church. And here's one of the things I want us to consider, though, and this is uh, really uh, one of our very first points. It's this. Big moments that are worth celebrating don't just happen. There's lots of planning and preparation along the way, whether it's a graduation, a wedding, uh, a baby, or a concert. And as we move forward in this next season as a church, it's not just even the last seven and a half years I've been the pastor or the 26 years uh, that Timberlake Church has, has existed. It's even further back than that. We've had big celebration moments with baptisms and people finding connection in groups and launching new campuses and hearing testimonies of people coming to know Jesus and missions trips all over the world. Uh, But they didn't just happen. Uh, It really uh, takes a sense of preparation and planning for that to happen. And this is really where we're at today uh, as a church. It's a historic moment for us as we're charging forward on this 24-month initiative uh, that'll include uh, launching new campuses, upgrading uh, what we do on all of our current campuses, our online campus, Uh, expanding our uh, mission partnerships and expanding in particular what we're doing with Acres of Diamonds, our transitional housing for homeless uh, women and children. And uh, we're all doing this together. And part of this is a financial initiative, and I'm going to tell you the results of that uh, at as we go towards the end of February. If we don't have an update by the end of February, my wife has agreed to shave her head. No, she hasn't done that. (laughs) Well, I want to uh, consider uh, back to that very first verse, uh, what it says. From Acts 7.49, it says, what kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? And I think God would be asking that 
uh, of us as a church. Now, if you've come here and you're just visiting the church for the first time, I think this is a real good moment to visit because you're going to understand uh, what we're about as a church. Uh, I want to look at a celebration in the Bible that I think will help us to understand the kind of house, the kind of place that God would want uh, His church to be uh, today. And this particular expression of it, which is Timberlake Church. There's an account that we find in Luke chapter 14, and a man is throwing a party. And it's a real big party, and it doesn't turn out uh, as he thought it would in the beginning. Really, this story is a parable. A parable uh, is a story that it has a point. Uh, Jesus told this story to make a particular point, and I think it is about the heart of God and also the mission that we would be on together. We read in Luke 14, 16 through 19, it says, uh, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he set his, sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, the Seahawks are playing at 10 a.m. No, that's not there. That, that, <laughs> I just had a flashback to January a little bit. <laughs> so, so we see it didn't turn out the way. And so what would, what would God, the master is representing uh, God in the story, what would he do? Would he just, uh, well, of course he'd be disappointed and angry, but would he say, is that it? I gave people a chance, and so now let's just see how they do on their own. I think we would operate that way, and some of us may have been raised in environments where you thought that God operates that way. But what God does is he says, okay, there will be people who will say, I'll go my own way. God, I don't want you in my life. And so what he does is he expands the opportunity. And that's really uh, what we read next. It says, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go quickly. And, and I want you to notice that. It says, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And if, if you consider in that society, people who uh, had a disability were often thrown out on the streets. In fact, when Christians came into the world, one of the ways the church expanded is people who were literally discarded to die, Christ's followers would come and they'd take them into their homes. Babies, female babies, who were often uh, by the Romans, they weren't considered valuable, Christians would take them in. And really, that's how we had the genesis of orphanages, not just in our society, on the planet. It was people who thought that they were left behind and left out. And God says, that's whose my heart is for. And it's powerful what we see in that story. And then, then we, we, we read this. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there is still room. 
Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. Now, I just want to uh, tell because, you know, we have our Issaquan Duval campus. For the Duval campus, it says country lanes. You're included there in God's plan. <laughs> no, we really, uh, uh, we see that God has this expansive heart. And so, as a church, and this is sort of a different message. If you be your first time here, like I said, you'll get a good idea of what we're about. But usually we talk pretty much just about what God has called us to individually and what God wants to do in our lives. But today as we finish up this series, as we receive uh, financial intention cards, as we do all of that, I want us to consider the mission that God would have us on. And so, you would uh, say, okay, what does that look like? And what that looks like is a story I want you to see of someone who came to Timberlake around uh, last Easter and is now going to be on the launch team for our Woodenville Bothell campus, which starts this weekend. But God did a process along the way. Take a look at this. Hi, my name is Jen, and I've been going to Timberlake for about 10 months. I grew up in Kirkland, Washington, and I grew up with a single mom. We never went to church. My first experience going to church was in middle school, and I went for about three years, and then um, stopped going when I got a new group of friends in high school. After high school, I went to college for a little bit. So when I was 22, I had just taken off some time from school and went traveling, and then I met a guy named Jake. And we dated for about six months, and then we got engaged, and um, it was a pretty rocky engagement. We got married, and about six months later, we got pregnant, and, um, and it wasn't working, and there was a lot of fighting, a lot of um, name-calling, and, and really harsh things were said, and um, it eventually got to the point where I knew that there was nothing I could do to make it work. Um, around that time, his sister invited us to Timberlake, and that's when I started attending regularly. My first time at Timberlake, I, I didn't know what to expect. The first few Sundays, I felt like the messages Ben was saying were like, for me only. Like, I, I felt like everything applied to my life and it was really, really helpful. Um, my marriage still was not doing well. I was worried that I didn't belong in the church. I met with Pastor Ben, Pastor Shane, and I told them a little bit about my story and, and that I was curious if I fit in and if this was the right place for me. And they encouraged me to keep coming and they said it was okay for me to be here. And it made me feel welcome and that it was okay no matter what was going on in my life to be here. So at the end of every service, Ben um, prays and um, asks 
people to pray with him to say yes to Jesus, and I had been thinking about it for um, a while, and about two months after I started coming, I was sitting in service, and it he started praying that prayer, and it was just an overwhelming feeling of it was right, and I knew that I needed to pray that prayer with him, and I looked up, and and I knew at that point that I had given my life to Christ for the first time. It was like feeling of being okay, and like like someone was saying, "You're going to be okay." And I had I hadn't felt that in a really long time. I have been coming to Timberlake Redmond from the Bothell area. And when I heard there was a North Campus opening, I was really excited. And it's given me an opportunity to serve and be a part of the team. There was a need in the kids, and I'm really excited to help the kids because I never got to be a part of church as a kid. So there was a point, a turning point, where I knew that I could be less unhappy, but I didn't realize how okay I could be and that I am now because I have Jesus in my life and I'm just looking forward to what God has planned for me. I'm not one of these people who I'm ready to, you know, be part of God's mission because I don't even... I'm not even sure where I'm at with God. And, and I hope you hear from Jen's story, uh, really uh, the heart of God, that it doesn't matter what you're going through, what problems you have and maybe haven't even ever been able to resolve, but that Jesus takes us just as we are, but loves us too much to leave us that way. And that's what we heard in her story. That's what we hear in the Bible story. And if, if that's not enough, we've heard it in the verse that we all see around football season. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Not only is this a big deal, our part of it is a big deal. And uh, your commitments uh, to the mission of Jesus really matters. So let's consider why our mission and our commitments matters as we see the heart of God represented in that story. Uh, well, number one is we need to understand the story of Timberlake Church is part of the unfolding story of God in this world. As I said, the uh, Timberlake just didn't begin in 1989. It goes further back than that. And in fact, if you follow every person their faith story, it'll go back to the first followers of Jesus, the ones who Jesus looked at 2,000 years ago and said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now, Timberlake is just a small part of the unfolding story in God of God and we're not responsible for what uh, Christ followers did 100 years 
ago or 100 years from now, but we are responsible for what we do in our generation. And this series, One Million Reasons, that number is based on the number of people living in the greater Seattle East Side area who are living life apart from Jesus Christ. And we believe that God has called us to change that number. And we hear that. You hear that week after week, a person who's coming to know Jesus in in a powerful, like Jen, you know, never even had any religious or church background. And we believe we're not the only part of it, but we're a significant part of changing that. How will that happen? Uh, That'll happen in a broader way as we continue to go deeper in Christ, as we reach out uh, through campuses and ministries that we partner with. We need to understand uh, another reality that surfaced through this series is that the church is plan A and there is no plan B. Sometimes that scares us uh, when we think of maybe your own church experience. I didn't grow up in church. Uh, any of you grow up in church at some point in your life? Go ahead. Okay, yeah, a number of you, and some of you didn't. Uh, and some of you may have had a great experience. Others of you, that was not a good experience. Uh, a, a friend of mine grew up in a, in, a, in a church that was, you know, pretty, they were pretty out there. And uh, one of the things that she learned in Sunday school uh, was uh, Revelation 21.8, which is really talking about the apocalypse. But the Sunday school teacher literally used this verse to scare the hell out of the kids. And uh, it, was, it says, those who practice magic arts, idolaters and liars, will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And so that was the Sunday school lesson that day. And then they learned a song, uh, and the song went like this. I've said this before, Revelation, Revelation, 21.8, 21.8, liars burn in hell, liars burn in hell, burn, 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 burn. <laughs> You should teach it to your kids this night, tonight before bed. Uh, now, I don't want to deny the reality that we have, we have eternal realities before us because we really do. But I think how we communicate these eternal ra- realities, life and death, heaven and hell, should be modeled after the heart of Jesus Christ, who said, I didn't want anyone to perish. In fact, I will move heaven and earth. Jesus went to the point of saying, I will give my life so that no one has to face life without God. And that is God's plan for today. And and you think about it, the public ministry of Jesus lasted only about a thousand days. And uh, so he taught and he preached and we have that in the gospel Uh, And then he gave the responsibility of hope and healing and forgiveness to his followers. Now, that sounds, you know, it doesn't sound like a good plan to me, but it's God's plan that he would use imperfect people like you and me to accomplish his perfect will. And in fact, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. We are plan A for a broken world, and there isn't a plan B. It isn't government. It isn't uh, some gifted leader or philosophy or an economic system. God's plan to restore the world is all of us collectively as we follow Jesus. And you might be here and you say, uh, well, 
Benham still, I'm not there personally. That's God's plan for you. Now, I don't usually do this, but I want to show you another video. And it's a a video uh, a couple years ago. uh, It sort of promos baptisms. And in that, though, you get to see the unfolding story of God. Take a look at this. I'm hoping with baptism that it'll give me a chance to really put away some of the the difficult stuff from the past that I've been really struggling with a lot and to hopefully start embracing a new future that God has for me and my family. I feel like stepping into this that, yeah, I am ready to take that next right step forward and that this is just maybe the first one of, of many that I'll probably need to take. And I really just feel like God's calling me to another level in my faith, and I want to, I think the baptism will be helpful in getting there. What I would hope out of, you know, getting baptized and really uh, both of us together saying that we're putting Christ and the Bible and and the Word of God first is uh, later on in our marriage when things get tough or, you know, when we're out doing our own thing, um, we can always look back on one common moral thing that we've both agreed on and it's our faith and that's basically what's going to keep us going in the same direction. Um, I know for me I'm just hoping that this will relay into our future as far as how we conduct our future for our children, for our married life because I want our kids someday to know that God is the most important thing and our family is the most important thing so we're just ready to start that building block now so that everything just falls into place. I decided to get baptized because God has been so good to me and I've been blessed my entire life with a lot of different things. Uh, The list is so big and some good, some bad. They've all been blessings and To me, getting baptized is an opportunity to honor God and give my gratitude to Jesus for everything He's given to me. My faith as a Christian has continued to grow and grow every year of my life, yet I had not taken the step to go public and, you know, really show my commitment and my gratitude for all the blessings that Jesus has given me. And today, uh, like baptism, we're at another one of those steps where we say, hey, we're going to take a step, move forward as, as a church. And I was thinking about the people in that uh, video from, I think, it was two or three years ago. Uh, one is Jose, who's my, one of my very best friends, and it had learned to uh, work out at a gym from me. That's how he got to be so buff. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. Uh, and then uh, Greg and Bryn, who uh, moved down south, and uh, even the Issaquah campus, when that opened up, that was a place where they're still not really close. They live a little further south than that. They're hoping we start another one. But because they found Christ and then found community, continue to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. And then uh, Brad, 
who, uh, you know, worked, worked with one of the big local tech companies and uh, it, struggling with marriage that didn't work out and some anger issues, uh, really started to grow in his faith and recovery. And uh, suddenly, uh, uh, basically, really no one knows why, but uh, his heart stopped working and, and uh, I had the opportunity to perform his memorial service. And, not, and, and, I, and I'm sad for his family, but I believe that Jesus, he's in the presence of Jesus right now. Jesus tr- transformed his life because of what you did along the way. And now he's with him. And these stories are just not one-off stories. I mean, this week, this week I heard of uh, an unemployed man uh, a physician, a well-respected physician, and a teenager. These are three people I've heard of in the last five days who've said yes to Jesus through the ministry of Timberlake Church. And your ministry is what makes that possible. Part of the reality is this, though, is every mission has a cost, emotionally, spiritually, uh, mentally, uh, financially, physically, Every mission has a cost. We know this in business, uh, and the vision and mission of the church is no exception. Matthew 9, 36 through 38, uh, we read this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus uh, even said when he... Uh, when he was talking to his disciples, that there will always be the need of people who will say, I'm going to be on mission with you, Jesus. Uh, Mission requires all sorts of sacrifice, uh, and that's always a challenge uh, for us. Jesus, he deals with that in our own life. He says this. He says, don't store up treasures for yourselves on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And uh, as we invest in anything and invest in ministry, you know, we think, uh, we think of the now, but when we invest in God's work, it's always the eternal. Uh, I was thinking of some of the things that I had uh, bought in the past. Any of you ever have one of uh, these, a VCR? I mean, they were, uh, some of you who, you have no idea what this is. Uh, I don't want to explain it to you, because then I'd have to, uh, no. This is, uh, and then the Walkman, you remember this? Were they like over a hundred bucks? I mean, yeah, you can, you could buy a computer that could run like Costa Rica now for that. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. And we know the transitory nature uh, of that. And I'm not saying not to buy stuff. In fact, you've heard me said before, I think Christians should be the most successful people in business and at their work. We should honor God, work hard, get promoted, make money, enjoy life, but also honor God along the way with our finances. Um, And that leads to number four. We grow uh, by making and keeping commitments. The truth is, is that we're afraid to make commitments. And sometimes we're willing to trade in those commitments uh, for other things. There's a book that was written a number of years ago called The Day America Told the Truth. And people were asked what they would do 
for $10 million. And it was shocking. Actually, not that shocking. Uh, here's some of what, they, some people would give up their commitments. It said 25% would abandon their family for that. Uh, 16% would give up American citizenship, which interesting, notice more people would abandon their families than give up their citizenship. Uh, 7% would kill a stranger, so just do the math, look who's sitting next to you. Uh, and 3% would give up their kids for adoption. Yeah, and uh, I, I, uh, I know some people who would do it for free. So the, uh, <laughs> uh, Here's the truth, though, is we know that commitments make who we are, whether it's a commitment in a marriage or uh, a business, uh, as we, people who serve in the military, some of my greatest heroes, and uh, it stretches us and challenges us. I realize uh, that that can be uncomfortable for us, but Jesus says this. He says, a man reaps what he sows. And we've seen God work amazingly through your commitments. Uh, by the way, as we talk about finances, I just want to let you know, this is a generous church. Uh, we have, we are, if you're here, we've never done, even when I came here after the, the church had been in a transition period, Never once uh, has it been, oh, we're out of money, so you have to give, or I'm going to die. Because some of you would say, hey, I'd like to see what happens. <laughs> the, uh, um, but we know that God has worked as you've been faithful. Uh, we've grown on average to two to 300 people a year, every year, in the last seven and a half years. That an average of one person every 72 hours has been baptized in the last couple of years. Uh, because of your faithfulness to Jesus Christ. As we've evolved, we've launched churches in the inner cores of Seattle and San Diego that now over 700 people worship at, where you're not supposed to have churches that are actually successful. And we've had mission projects, uh, some of the ones uh, that we've had. Uh, we have in, in India, Emmanuel University, uh, and amazing work there. Th this is uh, another one, our Dominican Republic missions trip as well. We have just more and more in Haiti, all over uh, the world. Your investment has made a huge difference. We read this in uh, 2 Corinthians 9.6. It says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your own heart, uh, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, children, uh, a cheerful giver. Why don't you turn back to that one? I, I, I like that. It says, give what you've decided in your own heart. Make a decision. Uh, don't be stingy. Don't get manipulated. Do what God says. And then you can go to the next one. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having everything you need, you will abound in every good work. Every time we make a commitment and keep it, we grow. 
So here's what we're doing uh, during One Million Reasons, and this is a financial part. Uh, by the way, this is not a special offering, and so that's, I want to clear up that confusion. The commitment cards is, as you look at that. What we're saying is uh, what we're going to do is really go to the next level in our generosity. So here's, here's the first part of it, uh, that you'd say, hey, if I've never given before, I want to invest in the ministry of Timberlake Church. I'd be a first-time giver. We'd encourage you to do that. Just whatever your next step is. Uh, or you say, I've been giving, but it's not been intentional, then I'm going to be an intentional giver. I'm going to state my intentions. Uh, or you'd go, uh, I'd be a tither. I do, you know, the Bible says give your first 10% to the Lord. Whatever your next right step. Or maybe beyond that, uh, I'd be an extravagant giver. And you might say, hey, would anyone actually even do beyond that? We've actually had uh, dozens of people so far, uh, some people who in advance have actually uh, taken that step. And so what we're saying is we're not going to do, do any special offerings over the next two years. Uh, we're going to just un- we're gonna go into one fund in our giving. If you've uh, been here, uh, so this is what it would look like, something uh, like this, that you'd say, hey, if, I, if, if this is what I give normally in a year, zero. So you don't have to write that in if that sort of bums you out or something like that. Uh, but my expanded giving would be $3,600 a year. Uh, so if you say, I'll give $300 a month. Uh, by the way, this is just an example. This is not telling anyone what to do. And then uh, times two, that would be 7200 And then on, at the end of February, the last weekend in February, we're going to have a kickstart offering when this all begins. And you'd say, hey, I'd make a special offering to that. And then that would be your intention for the two years. And then we have other cards uh, that, you know, example of 5,000, and you say, okay, maybe I'd go to the next level, maybe I was uh, intentional, now I'm going to be a tither, or that would be extravagant beyond the tithe, uh, 12,000, 3,000, and then you, you do the math. And that's what we're going to do today, is we're going to say, hey, God, uh, what I want to do is I want to be intentional uh, about my giving. And so, one of the reasons uh, pe- people have, have said, why, why don't you do special offerings? Uh, because I think we're taught to be disciples, not to be manipulated. Uh, because otherwise, we just give, uh, give emotionally instead of saying, God, I want to invest in your kingdom work. One of the things I do is uh, every once in a while, I treat myself. Uh, I go to Nordstrom. Uh, actually, I don't buy a lot of clothes at Nordstrom. But they, you can get your shoes shined there for two and a half bucks. And so, uh, so I go there. Don't worry, I give a tip 50 cents every time. The, uh, <laughs> so I, I went there, and uh, I, I went there, and I was getting my shoes shined. And then I saw one of the staff people from church, and he said, I was going to get my shoes shined as well. And I said, that's great. You can pay for me. No, I didn't say that to him. I said, hey, this is a treat on me. And it was around Christmas time. And uh, so I was into it five bucks total. And then I gave, uh, it was Christmas, so I gave the guy uh, a big tip, which $20, which doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it is when you're me and I'm stingy. (laughs) And I said, that feels great. But then I was thinking about it. I was thinking, you know what God wants? is more than random generosity, which I encourage you to do. By the way, if you go to a restaurant and you're a Christian and you don't tip, don't tell them, don't pray before the meal. You know, we should be generous, but I need to be intentional about my giving. And so this is what we're doing. What, what's the, what is success for us in this? Success is 100% participation. 
uh, what we're looking for is that 100 of us responding in some ways to God's grace. Uh, it's equal giving, not equal sacrifice. And just to let you know that our board and all our staff have already uh, made their intentions known, and so as you do that, know that uh, you're joining with them. It says this in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, uh, we have kindled in you. See also you excel in the grace of giving. And that's really, if, if you're here today and you're visiting, you're going to see us at one of our very best moments as we uh, come forward with our intention cards and we uh, share communion together. But before we do any of that, will you pray with me?